Welcome to the Doxa Dialogue, a podcast about living life on mission for the glory of God. My name is David Rudy. I'm the pastor of Doxa Church, and I have Amanda with me today as well. Hello. How's it going? Great. How have you been, Amanda? Been doing good. Enjoying the last, you know, little bit of summer. August is inching closer. Back to school is coming. I know a lot of our teacher friends are feeling that too. (laughs) Exactly. So this is part three. We have had a good time with this little mini series. Yeah. So we are working through Romans 13 and pulling out the biblical role of government and our response to it. We've already covered some important biblical principles, and the next one is very important, and it's the most obvious from Scripture, but often the most overlooked, especially in our current generation. Right, and this one is simply, we need government because evil won't stop itself. Yes. And do you mind just reading verse 1 again of Romans 13 yeah. for us, Amanda? Romans 13, 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Yeah. So the purpose here is very plain and simple. It's to punish evil. And when the government punishes evil, they are also promoting good at the same time. That is the authority that Mm -hmm. God has ordained for them to have. And there's no getting around that. God works through authority to punish evil. So again, as we said, No one's Mm going to argue with that. Mm -hmm. Civil authority exists to retain vice. But once the government starts going beyond that and getting out of their lane, you do have more problems arise. And we're not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. We're going to stay on track. But yes, don't let anyone tell you government doesn't legislate morality. Of course it does. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you break the law and you know that you'll be punished, if you break the law, you're at least acting more moral. Now, it can't legislate the heart, but it can at least conform behavior. As we looked at 2 Corinthians 8 just a little while ago about generosity, right? God wants Mm -hmm. the Christian to give with a heart of absolute, genuine, overflowing joy. I want to be generous. The IRS doesn't care about your heart. They don't they yeah. don't care if you're if you're willingly and cheerfully giving them money. They just yeah. they just yeah. want to collect the money. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, going back to to Romans 13, people are sinners by choice, and if you believe the Bible, you know this world is an evil place to live. Human life and flourishing though matters to God, and that's why he gives government. The role is to prosecute evil and promote morality. So when the government authorities don't punish evil, we see this, evil escalates. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And we've seen a lot of that in our country over the last year, rioting, looting. When it goes unpunished, it multiplies, and more and more people are left out to dry. The ones who feel it first, and really the sharpest, are always the less fortunate, you know, the weakest among us, Mm -hmm. the children, the uneducated, the poor. But our God cares about human life and flourishing, and that's why he ordained government with the power to make laws that punish evil and promote human flourishing. So I just say, in this point, Start with thanking police officers. When you see them doing a good job, honor them. That is a noble thing that they are doing. They mm-hmm. are protecting you. Pray for them. Their, their job is not easy. And I would say this is probably the most appropriate time to talk about capital punishment. Mm-hmm. Is there a just taking of a human life? Some Christians, very well intended, have really misunderstood one of the Ten Commandments. 
One of the 10th commandments is, I'll let you finish this one, Amanda. Thou shalt not kill. Yeah, that's what everybody mm-hmm. says, right? Thou mm-hmm. shalt not kill. Some people would say, well, wait a minute. That really means murder. Yeah. So why do Christians make that case? I mean, if you look at the ancient Hebrew language and it's the same in English. There's two different words. There's yeah. a word for murder and there's a word for, for killing. To take an innocent life, that is murder. Mm-hmm. To take a guilty life, that is killing. So really the Ten Commandments, it is thou shalt not murder. It's what it's mm-hmm. talking about there is thou shalt not take an innocent life. But it has no bearing on a guilty person. Right. I think that's the part of the Bible, too, that Christians have a hard time understanding, you know, in the Old Testament, especially when God would command people Mm -hmm. to go and kill the women, children, the whole tribes. And they're like, well, why would a good God do that? I mean, that's a big stumbling block for a lot of people. It's a hard one to get through. And you really have to look at the the ancient time period there. Mm -hmm. Like when Joshua was commanded to go with his army and knock out and just wipe out those populations completely. It's hard for us in, you know, the warm, cozy, fuzzy 21st century America to think about that. Like, for one, you have to just erase the fact that it's a different time period. Right. But those people had pagan idolatry. There were, there was even, you can even make a really good case. There was transhuman stuff going on. There was Mm -hmm. some really deep, corrupt, demonic things that perpetuated those societies. And part of it is, you know, I believe God wanted to cleanse the gene pool a little bit Mm. right there. So that's a debate for another day. Yeah, but I think just, Uh, you know, to kind of turn that back, that's kind of the difference between kill and murder. Obviously, if they're evil, we do, unfortunately, in this life have to, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so there's, yeah, exactly. Capital punishment. There's an occasion for the right to use force Mm -hmm. to defend yourself. The Bible never says you can't take a life. It's just that you shall not take an innocent Mm -hmm. life. Capital punishment is an incentive so you don't murder people. Right. And it reduces vengeance. Something happens, a life is taken, and nothing is done. There's going to be a response. And there's escalation. And this would fall right in line with just war, you know? Can an individual protect themselves? And can a nation protect its citizens? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Biblically, we have that right. It needs to be It needs to be legitimate authority. You know, it's not some cell mob or an illegitimate authority, like a bounty hunter or, right, or whatever. Right. Like, you know, Marines, National Guard, those are legitimate authorities mm-hmm. that are vested for that mm-hmm. purpose. And it always needs to be defensive, not offensive. Adolf Hitler invaded Poland. Mm-hmm. He, he went on the offensive. Well, the United States, we defended ourselves after we were attacked. Right. Also, I would say yeah. we need to also have a noble cause. If we are going to sacrifice human life, it needs to be worthwhile. It also needs to be proportional force. You know, if Mexico takes a few hundred yards of, of our border, the appropriate response would not be to just, like, go to nuclear war with them. Right, like, right, Let's right. not even talk about that. And you also need to have soldiers, not civilians, that need to be targeted. So there's all mm-hmm. these elements of just war that will save more lives than it actually takes. That's mm-hmm. something that you also need to be looking at. I mean, you had the big question of World War II ended. Was that moral? Well, the question that I know our leaders that God had given us at the time were asking is, is this going to save more lives than it takes? That was right. what they were going through in their mind. So those are all things that we need to just understand as the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. In Scripture, God has instituted the home, the church, and the government. And we have to understand the roles, and that includes our role in response to the government. 
And I think there's one more important distinction that you have on this list, and it might be, you know, the most controversial. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably. <laughs> but this one is, this one I'm getting straight from Romans 13. The church is never commanded to obey the government, rather to submit to the government. Mm. So again, we're getting into the nuance of a word here. But we have already been pretty controversial in this miniseries, so let's just keep going. Let's just do it. We're all in. <laughs> and again, this is not my opinion. I want you, or Amanda's. We're just looking at the text here. So this isn't the general perception, I would say, that mm-hmm. most Christians have. You know, this isn't what someone with, you know, a tie and glasses and the weird mustache is going to lecture in school. We're just going over what does Scripture say. And the Bible uses the word submit. So how does that differentiate with obey? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Isn't submit that dirty word that our culture has progressed beyond? Of course not. I'm kidding. Yeah. yeah. But submission is a beautiful thing. Jesus submitted to his father. The wife submits to the husband, the leader Mm -hmm. of the home. Submission is something that happens between two equals in Scripture. Obedience is something that a child does to their parents. It's something that the church does to our Lord, God, and Savior. We obey him. So what's the difference exactly? Well, there's an excellent commentary on Romans written by a theologian named Douglas Moo, who among many others makes this important distinction that Paul uses the word submit to government, not obey to it. He goes on to say that Paul's usage of submit in various texts implies an attitude or approach to the relevant authority without entailing that one must always obey Mm -hmm. that authority. Mm -hmm. Moo goes on to say, if, for example, the government were to command believers to worship a false god, we should not obey that command, even Mm -hmm. though our general posture would be one of submitting to the government. This is also what we see throughout the New Testament. You know, they break the rules all the time. Whenever the government doesn't line up with God. Peter said it most memorably, we obey God rather than man. And right here, we could uh, go into an ethics class on all the times throughout Scripture that God's people practiced civil disobedience. Mm -hmm. But you can start seeing it all the way back into Genesis. It really is everywhere. If the government tells the church not to meet, guess what? That's not their role. That's not their lane. Like God says we are to gather. If you are healthy and able, do not forsake the assembling together. We have to prepare ourselves for the day when we have to start disobeying the government a little more than we may be comfortable with. I, I would say in many ways, America is kind of like Commodus in The Gladiator. Do you remember The Gladiator, oh, Amanda? With Russell Crowe? Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, and this isn't a perfect example. This illustration will break down pretty fast, so just stick with American me here. American church is like Gladiator. Yeah. Here we go. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I'm going to say, you know, so Commodus is like yeah. King Phoenix. He's, yeah. he's the king's son, right? Yeah. So there you go. There's a there's a lineup. The church mm-hmm. where Jesus is our king. But yeah, Commodus is the king's son. He had all the training on the world. He knew how to handle a sword, but it was really all in his head. It was all in the practice sessions. Mm-hmm. You know, his entire life up to that point with real physical combat had just been a training exercise. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he pumped iron, but he never really bailed any hay, you could say. (laughs) And, And when it came time to actually roll up his sleeves and face Maximus Decimus Meridius, Russell Crowe's character, 
the gladiator himself. Mm-hmm. What happens? Do you remember? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He didn't. He chickened out. He wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 He just uh, totally, totally got scared. He had all the training he ever needed. He just didn't actually have the field experience. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll cut that analogy off right there because it does. <laughs> it does. Definitely. It does. But Christian, get ready. You know, you don't have to obey the government when they tell you to do something that God forbids. Mm-hmm. Or, you know... That God forbids. You know, see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who went into the fire because they refused to bow and worship the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. And when the government tells you not to do something that you know you must do, see Daniel getting thrown into the lion's den because he knew he must pray to his God. Yeah. And civil disobedience is nothing new. In the 50s and 60s, you know, your history books won't necessarily tell you this. Most of them don't. But Martin Luther King Jr. won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1955 for civil disobedience because he was following his Christian faith. Jackie Robinson, who broke the color barrier in baseball, he loved God. Rosa Parks loved God and feared God. And she said, no, I'm created equal as an mm-hmm. image bearer of God. And you're saying I have to sit in the back of the bus. I don't agree that yeah. law is wrong and I don't have to obey it. So we, as Christians, just need to prepare ourselves because I think the time is coming. It will be here eventually where, yeah, we can keep the attitude of submission. Mm-hmm. That's, that's our general posture, but we're not required to obey if they're, if they're getting out of their lane and yeah. encroaching on God's actual authority. Exactly. So I think we've really kind of heard that government is established by God and for two reasons, the punishment of evil and the protection of good. And our responsibility is to subject yourself to the government, do good, and pay taxes. Yeah, we've covered a lot. Yep, yep. <laughs> and when we do what the Bible teaches, this is the thing, good things will happen. Mm-hmm. The lost are found by Christ. We are part of that rescue mission. When we keep our noses clean and we don't argue about everything that's yep. going on, we obey when we can, we don't pick unnecessary fights, more good happens for the glory of God. And as we've been saying throughout this series, we have to stay balanced. It's not an easy area to stay balanced in. Mm-hmm. I don't think no one has ever been completely flawless in this. I know I've gone through swings back and forth over the years. The important thing is to understand the real role of government, no more, no less, mm-hmm. and know how you function in the midst of, of what's going to be a mess because it's it's not God's kingdom. It's a fallen man kingdom and it's not going to be perfect. So we can rise above the chaos. We can live for something deeper and stronger and eternal. Mm-hmm. And I would also encourage you just don't let government overreach get you off track of your main mission in life. Don't be so scared to say anything that you let things crumble either. Again, Mm -hmm. there's the balance. But obey Christ and keep a spirit of submission with the governing authority that God has put in place. I think the best way that you can think about how you as a member of the church should function in in the government is to always remember your true king. And in closing, Amanda, would you read us the words of Jesus Christ to Pilate right before he was crucified. This is John 18, just read 33 through 38. So Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. 
What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify the truth. Everyone on this side of truth listens to me. What is the truth, retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said to them, I find no basis for a charge against him. Mm. What is truth? What is truth? That's what our culture is saying now yeah. more than ever. And the world doesn't know. Nope. As the church, we do know Jesus. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we know the truth. So let's live in light of his eternal kingdom. Hope you enjoyed this series and maybe you have questions for us. It would be great to hear feedback from you. We covered a lot of different moving pieces, some things we elaborated on, some things we just scratched the surface of. So yeah, please, this is the Doxa Dialogue, and you can dialogue and you can participate in that conversation as well. We love it when that happens. But we're looking forward to diving back into a full season very soon. You are loved. You are loved.